Hey, if you have a program and you got in, let me, I have some announcements real quick that I have to get to. Um, yeah, no one cheered. Thanks. That's all right. Anyway, uh, so when you, get, when you come in, all of our announcements are on the, on one side. And then what we're going to talk about tonight is on the other side. But let me hit four really, really quick is that a week from this Wednesday, uh, we have a couples event that we're called two to one. Where we get out of a Bible verse where the two shall become one. And, uh, sometimes marriage is hard. It's sometimes, uh, the one wants to become two and uh, marriage is just tough. And so if you're a couple or uh, you're thinking about becoming a couple or you're a couple and you're thinking about not being a couple anymore, <laughs> come come next Wednesday. And uh, it's Valentine's it's week for Valentine's week. Uh, normally we do dinner, but um, we're not doing dinner, but we are doing desserts. And the reason we need a uh, reservation is so we have enough desserts uh, for, for that. And also, if you have little kids, uh, we provide child care on Wednesday night. Uh, so that's a week from this this Wednesday. The second thing is that we really value community around here. And uh, especially after tonight, because uh, I know how this is going to end up tonight, uh, there's just certain things in your life where you just aren't supposed to go through by yourself. As my, most stuff in your life, I don't really think God wants us to go on through life by ourselves. And so we value community. And if you get on our website, which is flatironschurch.com, and click on Flatirons List, um, there are all kinds of groups there from these deep, deep Bible studies to, I don't know, do you want to go bowling? Um, so, and so if anywhere in the spectrum of that, uh, you know, we're looking for people on Tuesday night who live in this part of town or whatever. Um, and you can just define that. But one of the things, if, if you're interested in maybe hosting one of these groups, uh, like in your home, a barbecue in your home or something like that, uh, we have a certification class, which isn't, is, it sounds much more intimidating than what it is. It's just an hour class. It meets next hour tonight at 6.30, right over in the rooms right outside those doors. We just kind of go through some stuff and kind of cover the, the basics and, uh, and uh, just kind of show you this is what it means. Uh, you don't have to be a big Bible study teacher or anything like that. You basically, you have to just say, hey, come on over to our house and uh, there's a couple things we want to accomplish tonight. So if you're interested in that, uh, check that out. Um, the third thing is, um, uh, actually the third and fourth thing both is we are starting some workshops coming up here. Uh, one is a grief workshop. All of us have seasons in life where we go through some stuff that, uh, that's, you know what, we're just not bouncing back. Some people tell us we're supposed to bounce back, but tough, we're not. Uh, that could be death, that could be loss, that could be uh, a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, someone told me that January 21st was the most depressing day of the year, historically, this past uh, uh, there's just a lot of people and you know, going back in our life and our fight with depression at my house, uh, January and February are the pits. And, uh, so, uh, there's, there's that for you there. And also unrelated to that, we have a premarital workshop coming up. Uh, <laughs> I hope I'm related to that, but, uh, if so come Wednesday and we'll hit that too. But, uh, um, if you're thinking about moving down that marriage, uh, towards, towards marriage, uh, and you want to, uh, kind of find out what some of that looks like, just, just check that out. Um, we, we hope that you can do that. Um, I want to get into tonight. Uh, here's the thing is, uh, if you spend any time following God, and this is going to feel like a departure from everything we've been talking about uh, over the last couple of weeks because we've been in this financial series, but um, if you follow God long enough, and a lot of us will be able to make, say, this, that's my story in this room, and if some of you are here tonight going, well, I don't really call myself a God follower, I don't even sure I believe the right thing, but you know, listen tonight, tonight might help you make your decision. Oh, well, I don't want to follow him, if that's the case, and that's fine, but uh, here's the truth is, if you follow God long enough, um, it's inevitable that you will hit a, a season um, of circumstances, a string of circumstances, an event, something like that in your life, when your faith, and by faith I mean this is all that you thought was true, everything you trusted about God to be true, you're going to hit something, a pothole or whatever, along uh, your, your life, and it's going to get shaken it's going to kind of get uh, tested and you're going to begin to think, you know, hey, God, this isn't what I signed up for. Uh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be following God. Uh, sometimes you're going to even get to the point that you're going to kind of look at God and go, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. 
I don't think I, I can follow this. I don't make sure I even want to follow God anymore. This is kind of exhausting. Um, tonight's not going to be real light, by the way, if you just figure that out. But uh, welcome to Flatirons. But uh, um, here's the thing is, I found that those times in my life, those seasons in my life are usually in times of pain or fear or hardship. And kind of same with the ship theme that we have going here. Let's just call them storms. There's times in your life where storms are going to hit your life when your life's just going to get battered. And you're going to think, oh, this is going to tear me apart. It's going to tear my life apart. It's going to tear my family apart. Or maybe it's the opposite. Is it's just nothing. It's just silence. You're just kind of dead in the water. And you need some help. You need some wind to blow in your direction. Uh, you need some help getting to where you want to go. But you ask and you get nothing. And part of it, again, wants to look up at God and go, hey, God, are you paying attention? Ever prayed that prayer? Hey, God, are you kind of looking at my life? I, I need some help. I need you to do something. I thought you can fix things. Either you can fix things. And, but you're not willing to, or you'd like to fix things, but you can't. Uh, either way, hey, God, uh, unless you do something, I'm going to go try to find somebody else who can help. And there's a lot of areas of our life that tonight could apply to, like finances. We've been talking about finances over the last couple of weeks. For some of us, our finances are a disaster. They're a shipwreck, <laughs> and we're confused because we've been doing it right. We put money in the buckets, and we donate coats and food and firewood. And you know what? Nothing's changed. I put money in last Sunday. It's Thursday. Nothing got any better. It's just the same. At work, there's no new sales, no new leads, no new calls, no deals. And I thought, hey, God, I thought if I did my part, you'd do your part. Why should I trust you if you're not going to help me? Ever prayed that prayer? Or maybe it's not your finances. Maybe it's, uh, it's relationships, uh, the person you're dating or the person you're married to. And life is just like one big storm. It's one big blow up, one big fight after another. Or maybe it's just dead in the water. Just nothing. You just kind of live together, kind of ignore each other. And you dread it when you hear him coming in the garage. You look for every reason not to go home. And you want to get a divorce. But you don't think God wants you to. And even though your friends are telling you to bail out. And you know a lot of people that have bailed out for much less than what you're putting up with. And your marriage or your relationship or he or she or whatever is wearing you out. And you look at God and go, I'm doing my part. Why don't you do yours? Or maybe it's not marriage. Maybe, you know, maybe singleness. You know, you've prayed and prayed and prayed and begged God to send someone into your life, into your heart, into your bed, whatever. And you look at God and go, I want to be married. Or I want to be married again. And I'm tired of going home to to an empty house. I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of sleeping alone. And you know, here's the thing is because you've had this tape play in your head. You know, if you just lower your standard just a little bit. If you just change the rules, compromise a little bit, you know, give out a little bit more than what you've been giving out, you, you could have a date by Friday. God, I know what you want. I know what you want. It's just not going well, and I'm tired of being alone. I want to try something else. For some of us, it's our kids. It's our kids. Our kids are, are scaring us to death because of, they've made some choices in the past, or you, they're making choices now, and we're, we feel like we're losing our children, Right? And we pray every night and it's not getting any better and it's, it's getting worse, right? And, and it's wearing us out. For some of us, it's not our kids, it's our parents, right? I mean, you've tried to do all the Bible stuff. You've tried to obey them and honor them and, and do what's right. But you know what? They just don't get it or they don't get you. The party just wants to kind of open the door and run down the driveway, get in the car and drive away. I mean, if it's up to you, you're doing your part, but they just won't cooperate. Or maybe it's not family, maybe it's your job. If you don't make a sale, you don't get paid, right? And you know that if I fudge on this a little bit or just forget to tell them about that, I could close a deal this week. And you're thinking, hey, uh, God, could you just kind of look over there while I do this? 
But in the back of your mind, you hear God saying, no, don't, that's dishonest. And you're like, hey, God, go back to church. <laughs> um, mind your own business. For some of us, it's just life, isn't it? Just the overwhelmingness of life. You can call it depression. You can call it hopelessness. It's more than having the blues. Um, some of us have even this week asked ourselves, would the world, would my family be better off if I just wasn't here? And would anybody notice or care? For some of us, it's our health. We're sick or somebody that we really care about is really sick and they're getting worse and we love them and we're taking care of them, but they're wearing us out. I don't know what it is for you, what your storm is. If you're sitting there going, I don't have one. Well, stick around. <laughs> you will, I promise. <laughs> and I wish, this is what I would, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that Jesus said, if you follow him, if you have faith, if you have trust, if you love him enough, all your problems, your storms would just go away. But he never said it. I wish I could tell you that if you believe the right stuff and act the right ways, do the right things, God will keep all the pain and hard times from touching your life. I wish I could tell you that prayer kind of works like a genie bottle. I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could tell you that if you do this or that, all the pirates would stay away from your life. If you spend your money on this and not that, if you always do this and never do that, if you always decide to do this but refuse to do that, life will be smooth sailing. But it's just not true. What do you do when you're trying to do your best and it's not good enough? What do you do when you're doing the right thing and get the wrong result? What do you do when you play by the rules and still lose? What do you do when you pray and you get no answers or things get worse? You know, you don't want to take another drink. I don't want to hit her again. I don't want to tell another lie. I don't want to walk out. I don't want to file papers. I don't want to have the affair. But honestly, nothing's working the way it's supposed to be working. Nothing's helping. Nothing's changing. Nothing's getting better. And I guess to be honest with you, I'm tired of doing the right thing when everybody else does the wrong thing and they get ahead and I'm about this close to throwing in the towel and just calling it quits. Kind of screw this. I'm tired. I'm out of here. I'm done. The Bible has a word for that. You know what it is? Normal. Normal. You thought I was going to say sin, didn't you? No, that's normal life. That's why huge chunks of the Bible repeat the same message over and over and over and over. It goes like this. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you're frustrated. I know that what you're going through doesn't make sense. I know that it feels like God has left the building. I know that you feel like giving up. I know you feel like jumping ship. But listen, and this is the takeaway tonight. Now is not the time to bail on God. Now is not the time to abandon ship. I, listen, I, I know you feel like just running the other direction, saying, see, you got him out of here. But of all the times in your life to abandon ship, it's not today. There's a common theme in the Bible from cover to cover. You're going to find that over and over. If you have your Bible with you, um, turn to the book of Isaiah. You probably have never read the book of Isaiah. It's in the middle. Just open it in the middle and go 50 pages to the left or right. You'll find it there. Um, and it's not a real common book, although there, you, most of the songs that we just sang are taken out of the chapter that we're going to read tonight. We're going to read a whole chapter of the Bible. And the reason, um, here's what I do. I've got to give you a history lesson. I know you're going, that's why I came to church. Awesome, Bible history. I'm going I'm to tell you a history lesson in order to make this chapter that we're going to read together make sense. And I've got to read the whole chapter so that the last five verses make sense. And it's really important that the last five verses make sense because then this other verse that I'm going to give you that was written 750 years later will make you just kind of go, oh, oh. But I've got to go through all this other stuff. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. And let me, as you're trying to find that, just you look at the table of contents if you want. It's on page 503 if you're cheating on the uh, Flatirons Bible. But here, let me kind of give you this history lesson is that um, if, you, if you read the Bible, all the parts before Jesus are called the Old Testament. 
And the Old Testament is the story of this nation called Israel. Sometimes they're called the, the, the Jews. And, and, and Israel is made up of 12 different tribes, 12 different family groups. And uh, when we pick up in Isaiah chapter 40, something's happened. They've kind of had a big conflict, a big you know, family 12-way fight. And uh, they've kind of had a civil war. And part of the kingdoms, uh, most, of the, king, or most of, the, of the tribes have formed uh, a kingdom in the north called the Northern Kingdom. And there's a couple of tribes that have formed a, a, a country in the south called... Dixie, you know, no, I'm sorry, called, sorry, uh, that was stupid, but anyway, um, um, called the Southern Kingdom, all right, and the Northern Kingdom kept the name Israel, all right, so the Northern Kingdom's called Israel, and the Southern Kingdom's called, called Judah, and each one of these, um, these kingdoms have their own, own kings, and, and the kings in the north, um, they were just, they were horrible, they were just notoriously evil. They did evil things. They, they, they brought in all kinds of gods and they kind of you know, tore down everything that, uh, that had to do with, with uh, the original God. And, and uh, the king of the south, uh, uh, he, he was, sometimes they were good and sometimes they were bad. When we pick up the story here, he's bad. But um, here's the, here, let me kind of pick this up. <laughs> the, the, we pick up the story. The bad king of the north, his, his name is, I promise, you can read this. His name's Pekka. Just keep going, all right? But anyway, his name is Pekah, and uh, he formed an alliance with another country called Aram. And they've kind of formed this alliance, and their alliance is that they're going to go conquer this big nation called Assyria. Now, Assyria is kind of like a Bible superpower, okay? They're like the big bad country that nobody messes with, and they've kind of invaded that whole part of the world, and, and they're very, very violent, and nobody messes with Assyria. And so this, this northern kingdom and this little you know, country called Aram, they kind of merge together, and they send a messenger down to the southern kingdom and say, hey, we're going to go beat up on Assyria, and we really think we can take them, but we want you to join with us. So the three of us will go beat up Assyria. And by the way, if you say no, we're going to beat you up first. All right? So either come and help us conquer this other country. But if you say no, we're going to come and beat you up, then take your soldiers, and then we'll all go do it anyway. So you might as well join us. Now, the king of the south, his name's Ahaz, and he is a jerk. He's a horrible king. His father was a good king, but he was a, he was a really bad king. And when you pick up the story, he's in his early 20s, and, and he's totally disgod. He's, 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 he's locked the temple. He says, you're not even allowed to go in there anymore. He sacrificed his own children on an altar, burned them up to, to a rock god, you know. And, uh, and he's, just, he's just a really, really, really bad king. And later when he dies, they don't even bury him with the other kings. They, like, bury him outside of town. Like, we don't even want to remember you. So he's a real kind of jerk, all right? And he's got this problem. If I join with the north and, and Aram and go fight Assyria, Assyria's going to kill all of us. But if I say no, they're going to come down and they're going to they're kind of beat us up too. So I'm kind of in a no-win situation. Ever feel like that? Uh, no matter what, all my choices are really, really, really bad. Now, all right, so those, the kings have this, this deal going. But the people down here in the south, they're, they're kind of looking at this whole situation going, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we didn't ask for this. We, 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 we didn't ask for this. We didn't do anything wrong. Why has God abandoned us? Again, ever prayed that prayer? I didn't ask for that to happen to me. I didn't ask for you to do that to me. I didn't, I didn't get a say in this. This just got thrust upon us. Why, why did God abandon us? And here's the other thing is that in the past, our king used to go in front of God and kind of ask God for help. And God would come in and, and everything would be good. But we don't even have that anymore going for us. And they, they're kind of in a panic. And they're overwhelmed and... I think a good, a good word to describe these people would be they're just worn out. They're weary. They're done. They're looking at God going, thanks. Looking at their king going, you're no help. 
And they just pretty much are just like kind of settling down going, well, if you're not going to help us, God, what are we going to do? And into this situation, God sends a messenger. And his name is Isaiah. He's the guy who wrote this book, all right? To deliver a message to the people who are feeling overwhelmed and panicky and abandoned and afraid and weary. And you can say, well, what does this have to do with me? This is like 3,000 years ago. You'd be surprised. Here's the message that comes to these people. This is from God through his, his servant Isaiah. Pick up in verse number one. Here's the first word. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And I'm going to tear this apart. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Isaiah says, now I want to tell you what God says. He says, comfort, comfort. Translated, I know you're uncomfortable. I, I know you're in distress. I know you're overwhelmed. I know that life is painful. I know that life stinks right now. Please understand, God sees your problem. You're really uncomfortable. He goes on, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the capital of, of Judah. It's in the south. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service, the hard time she's going through, has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord double, Lord's hand double for all her sins. Let me, let me translate that, okay? God's looking and going, I know, I know that what you're facing is hard. I know that. But know this, what's happening to you is not because you committed some sin and now you're being punished from God. You're saying, what did we do wrong, God? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. There's no connection here. The hardship you're going through is not some punishment from God or some, you know, some lightning bolt from God zapping you or something like that. Your, mis- what, your mistakes or, or, or your problems or whatever have nothing to do with this army coming down from, 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 the, from the north. There's no connection. Then God says this. He says, listen, a voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places are plain. And, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, you see that going, what does that mean? I mean, it's very poetic. It's very, very pretty. But what, what does it mean? It means this. Every time... In the Bible, anytime God is about to do something big, something, something so, so big and huge that at the end, people are going to go, whoa, that was just a God thing there. Right? Before he did that, he always sent a messenger or a prophet. And the, the message was always the same. Prepare, get ready the way of the Lord. God's about to do something. 750 years later, this guy named John the Baptist is baptizing people in, in a river and he quotes this verse. It says, prepare the way of the Lord. The Lord is about to do, God is about to do something big and he turns around and Jesus is standing there like, oh, I guess he is. There, there's Jesus right there. And here's what God says to Judah. I'm about to do something big. And every one of your valleys, every one of those low places in your life going, I'm in such a hole right now. It's going to be raised up. And every one of the mountains that you go, I can never get over that. It's insurmountable. My problems are so big. I can never get over that. God's going to flatten it out. And all the parts of your life that go, man, this is rough. I don't know if I can do that. He's going to smooth that out. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. So at the end of when he does this, smashes the valley, or raises up the valleys and smashes the mountain, at the end of that, people will go, well, the only explanation from that is, is God. It's God. He says, I know you're weary. And I know you're afraid of that army marching up the street, but remember this, verse 6. He says, a voice says, God's voice says, cry out. And I, Isaiah said, what shall I cry? This is what God says. God says this, all men are like grass 
And all the glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Let me kind of translate that. God goes, you know what? I know you're afraid of Assyria. I understand. I would be too if I were you. you know, They're the biggest, meanest kid on the block, the most feared nation in the world. And they're cruel. Years later, the Romans would study Assyria because they had invented new forms of torture. When Assyria would invade a city, they would surround it. Before they even you know, fired the first arrow or whatever, they would surround the city with poles and impale bodies on them and just leave them out there for a few days just to psych the people out. And in front of every gate, they would pile up heads or, 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 or de-headed, decapitated bodies and just let them stink there for a while. Most cities surrendered before the first shot was ever fired. Just going, hey, if we just come out and give ourselves to you, will, will you let us live? God says, I know you're afraid. It's a big enemy. But let me tell you what I think about Assyria or any other big superpower. They're like grass. They're like flowers. They spring up and you go, oh, look at that flower. And then they fall down. And all I have to do is breathe on them and they're gone. And Assyria and kings, I'm telling you, they come and go. But I last forever. Look at verse, look at verse 12 here. He says, listen, you know what? I know you got big problems, but you forgot who your God is. Let me ask you a couple questions just to kind of clear some stuff up. Who's measured the waters? The oceans, the seas, all right? Who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breath of his hands marked off the heavens? Who's done that? Who, who's held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Say, like, hey, was that Assyria? Did they do that? Uh, no, no. Was it Pekka? <laughs> no, it wasn't him. Was it Aram? No. Who was it? That'd be you. That'd be you, God. Who's understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as a counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and teach God the right way? Who was it that taught God knowledge or showed God the path of understanding? Translated, has God ever called you up and said, I got a problem, can you help me? Has God ever said, hey Jim, I've got universe problems, do you have any ideas? You know, hey, I, I got this, I got, I'm kind of stuck here, Jim. You got any counsel for me? I'm kind of depressed today. Jim, can you cheer me up? I, I, I have this Assyria dilemma. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention and Assyria swept in. Jim, what should I do? Has God ever asked for your counsel? Now, I've offered counsel to God. Anybody else? Hey, God, let me just kind of give you some advice here. I don't know if you noticed, but I don't have enough money. Anybody prayed that prayer? You know? Or you know, I need a job, or I need a date, or I need a cure, or I need some help, whatever that is. And hey, God, have you ever thought of this? Maybe this is a better way to do it than what you're currently doing it. And by the way, God, in case you missed it, there's this big Assyria coming up the block. Like God's going to go, oh, no. No. It goes on, surely the nations, all those nations that you're so afraid of, right? They're like a drop in the bucket. They're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. God's like, I see him. I see Assyria. I see your enemy. Like a drop in the bucket. See, I know you don't understand what's going on, but maybe you've forgotten. Let me remind you who you're dealing with. Look at verse 22. God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Now, God's not saying, you know, people are like grasshoppers. I don't really care. But it's not, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying people aren't important. He's saying you've got to get some perspective. Remember when you were a little kid um, and you were like playing out in the yard and a grasshopper jumped on your foot or your, or your leg? Remember what you did? You're like, ah, you know, it's like, get it off, get it off. And your babysitter, your parents, your big brother came over and like, 
you're stupid. You know, you know, it's a grasshopper. They flick it off, you know, like it's a grasshopper. You're, you're going to live. Some of the things God looks at and goes, um, you're kind of acting like um, that. I'm not saying your problems are, aren't bad. I'm saying you've forgotten how big I am. He goes on. He brings princes, kings to naught. He reduces the rulers, the bullies of this world, to, to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. He goes on, he goes on, and he says this, To whom will you compare me? And God's not being arrogant. He's just saying, hey, just lay my resume against anybody else's, okay? To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? He says this, Lift up your eyes. Look to the heavens. In other words, hey, stop looking down. Stop looking down at your problems. Stop looking at your feet. Stop looking at your navel. Stop looking down and look up. In another place, God is described as the lifter of my head. I don't have enough strength to even lift my head. And he kind of pulls my head up and goes, no, no, no. Keep going. Lift up your eyes. Look to the heavens. Now, here's the question. Who created that? Who created that? I'll tell you. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. That's who did that. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Not one. Here's an idea. When you feel like bailing on God, when you look at God going, God, I don't think you can fix my problems or solve my problems. Before you jump ship or bail out on God, how about this? Tonight before you go to bed, go outside, look up at the sky and go, oh, oh yeah. I forgot. That's the kind of God you are. You spoke this into existence and you know every star's name and you've never lost track of even one of them. And I know our problems are big and significant and overwhelming. I know we're in tough marriages and painful illnesses and just hopeless situations, but you're going to walk away from a God who can do that? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Who's like God? Who could you possibly find that even equals God? Who's like Him? Then God says, can I just get right to the heart of this? Look at this next verse, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? So he's talking to these people. Why why, why do you say, and here's what they're saying, because he's been listening. My way is hidden from the Lord. And my cause, my life, is disregarded by God. And here, I think a lot of us in this room are saying this, all right? Okay, all right, listen, all right. Even if I believe God created the universe and runs the stars and all that kind of stuff, even if I agree that he could blow away evil kings if he just wanted to do that, even if I agree God is able to do anything he wants to do, here's my conclusion. Apparently, he's forgotten about me. It's really awesome that he runs the universe. Apparently, though, my problems don't matter to him. Apparently, my financial situation doesn't merit his attention. Apparently, he's kind of left me just kind of figure out my marriage by myself. Apparently, I'm way down his list of important things to do. Maybe I'm in one of his blind spots where he doesn't care. At least that's how it feels. I don't understand God. I prayed that prayer. I looked at God and said, I'm, if you're there, I'm mad at you. And I don't know if I want to follow you anymore. How does God respond to that? How does God respond to our frustration and our doubt? How does God respond to tired, overwhelmed, frustrated people? When you look at God and go, you know what? I think I'm going to bail. I think I'm ready to jump overboard. What does God think about that? Does God yell at you? No. Does God crush you? Like, I told you, you were a grasshopper. Shape up, you know? No. Is, that what he, is that what he does? Is that the kind of God we, we follow? Does he make you feel guilty? You shouldn't feel like that. Shouldn't be tired, shouldn't be weary. No. 
Here's what he says. Look at this next verse. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He won't grow weary or tired, and his understanding no one can fathom. In other words, I know you don't understand. I know you don't understand what's going on in your life. You've forgotten about God, and you want to bail out on him. Because right now, you know what? All you can see is the army coming and marching towards you. All you can see is the enemy who's making your life miserable. That's all you can see. The storm in your life, the stack of bills on the desk. All you can see is the doctor's report or the attorney's letter. All you can hear is slamming doors and screaming babies or empty houses. I know you don't understand what's going on. But here's what God promises to do to weary people. Look at the next verse. He gives strength to the weary. Increases the power of the weak. Here's God's response to weak and weary people. He says, are you tired and frustrated? Are you ready to bail on me? I'll give you some strength. Next verse says this, even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. In other words, this is an age thing. This is going to happen if you're young or old or in between. Age is not a factor. Everybody's going to face times where you get tired. Everybody's going to face times in your life where you make mistakes. Every one of us is going to stumble and fall down. Every one of us is going to want to look at God and go, Hey, listen, do your job better. And if not, I quit. I'm jumping overboard. But one more verse. Look at this. But those, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles. And they will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not be faint. And I love that word hope there. Those who hope in the Lord. Some of your Bibles may say those who wait upon the Lord, like we just sang about. And the, the word there is the Hebrew word hava. Those who hava the Lord. And it means to wait expectantly, to lean on. Those who lean on the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, those who, who say, you know what? I don't know what's going on in my life. I'm leaning on God. And isn't that the question we started with two weeks ago? What are you going to lean on? When your life falls apart, what are you going to lean on? Who are you going to trust in to take care of you? Who are you going to put your hope in? God says, if you'll put your trust in me, if you'll stay with me, if you put, put your hope in me, I'm telling you, I'll give you the strength you need. And you'll soar again, you'll run again, and you won't faint. In another place, um, a really, really smart king named Solomon, he, he said this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. Because I've got to tell you, sometimes just God is just not going to make sense. You're going to go, one and one, is, it's not adding up the way it's supposed to. I don't understand. Trust in the Lord, even though it doesn't un- make sense, even though you don't understand. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path. Here's what He's saying. I know you don't understand. God's saying, I know you don't understand what's happening. Trust me. Trust me. I'll get you there. I know you don't like what's happening at your house. I know that. Trust me. I'm still there. I know you don't see how your life is fixable. Trust me, I'm on it. I know you don't feel like you can take this another minute, take it another day, stand it one more time. I know, but now is not the time to quit. Now is not the time to give up on me. And honestly, isn't that some of our stories? Isn't that some of our stories? We got tired or frustrated or angry with God, so we looked at God and said, hey, listen, I know what you want, but I am out of here. And we left him. Right? Right? I mean, so so many of our stories go, you know what, I used to be, and don't raise your hand on this, but isn't this your story? I used to be with God, or when I was a kid, I was with God, and then I kind of left Him, and I went through all this stuff in my life, but now I'm back, and God will always take you back. But you're back, and now you have memories and scars 
right? Here's the other thing. Is you made it back. But some of the people you took down with you didn't. And they're not doing that well. I'm going to close tonight in a really different way. Um, next week, we're going to get back on the financial thing. I promise. All right? But I think before we talk about that, we have to answer a bigger question. We, I changed this series all up this week because I just thought, I got to talk about this before we talk about that. We need to answer a bigger question or the other stuff is just kind of a moot point. And the question is, can you trust God when he doesn't make sense? And that word's kind of, just put it on the table, you know. Can you trust God when it just doesn't make sense? Can you lean on him when you don't like what's going on? You don't understand what's happening? Can you sit here tonight and go, you know what, this is craziness, but you know what, I believe him. I believe he'll give me strength to keep going. Let me ask you a couple questions. What storm is rocking your world right now? Even coming to church tonight was kind of one last-ditch effort, you know? What's rocking your world? What's happening in your life right now? And you've tried to follow God. You've tried your best. You've tried to do the right thing. You've tried to fix things, but it's not getting any better. What are you facing in your life right now that has no options or all the options are bad? How many of us in this room tonight would just describe our life as weary? I'm just weary. I'm not a prophet. I'm not Isaiah. I just think I know why God brought us here tonight. One more verse and we're done. Um, Paul, a guy who wrote this from prison, so he knows what frustration is. He says this. He says, let's not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in in doing good and following God and doing the right thing for at the proper time, at the right time, God says, we will reap a harvest if what? We, we what? Don't give up. I think God brought you in here tonight. You go, no, I chose to be in here. Okay, I'll let you believe that. I think God brought you in here tonight because he wanted to say to you, now is not the day to give up. Don't give up. I know you're weary. But now is the time to hold on to God tighter than you've ever held on to before. And he promises, if you'll trust me, if you'll lean on me, I promise at the right time I'll give you what you need. So here's how we're going to close. And we don't normally do this. (laughs) I'm not sure we've ever done this before. And you don't have to do this if it makes you feel uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, if you're saying, if you're kind of sitting here going, I need a reason not to come back anymore, use this one. All right? Um, You blame it on this. Here's what I'm going to do. All right? And we might not do this next service, so 5 o'clock to the guinea pig service. Uh, here's the thing is, all right, I'm going to throw out some areas of life that may be the area of your life that you're sitting here going, that's me. That's unbearable. That's unfixable. I don't understand why that's happening to me. It's frustrating. It may be the area of your life that if God doesn't show up in it, if God doesn't keep his promise to give you strength, um, you're pretty sure you're not going to be able to keep going. And I'm going to group them together. Here it is, ready? But if I mention one that applies to you, and if more than one applies to you, or if one applies to somebody that you really care about, um, I'm going to ask you to take a risk. Again, you don't have to do this, but when, when I mention this, I'll, I'll mention several things. Um, would you stand up? You don't have to do this. Um, and if that doesn't feel weird enough, I'm going to make it even feel more weird, okay? Um, just because I'm thinking, you know what? Let's just go for broke here, right? Um, here's the thing. is, If somebody near you stands up, 
Would you walk over beside them and put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them? Silently, you know, and a short prayer, like 30 seconds or less, okay? Don't look at them and go, why are you standing up? Or could you explain what your problem is to me? It's really none of your business, okay? It's not. Um, just a quick, silent prayer, 30 seconds or less. And basically, you're just going to ask, God, would you give them strength for whatever it is that caused them to stand up for themselves or they stand up for somebody else? And here's why I want to do this, okay? And I know some of you are going, I thought we didn't do it at this church. I didn't think we did stuff like this. Well, maybe we won't anymore, but here's why. Okay, one is, I think there's a lot of us in this room tonight that are carrying some really heavy stuff and we've never asked anybody to pray for us we wouldn't even know who to ask and um, let alone think that there would be a church that would actually care enough about you to do that I want to be that church I want to be a church that prays for people that goes before God on behalf of other people. And here's the second thing, reason I want to do this. Many times when I'm going through my stuff, my storms, my struggles, my doubts, all right? Anybody else feel like this? I feel like I'm the only one feel, that feels like this. Surely I'm the only one with a wife like this or a problem like this or a you know, financial mess like this. I bet I'm the only person on the planet. I think it would be nice. Maybe this is just my own therapy tonight. I just think it would be nice to look around a room and visibly see that this is a me too place. And there's a lot of us going through the same stuff. We're not alone. So um, Jenny's going to sing this awesome song. Um, and here's what we're going to do. I'm going to throw out some storms that you might be facing. And So here we go. Here's the first group. And then when I say stand up, if you'll stand up, you, can, you don't have to. Um, but it, and if you don't have to walk over to somebody and put your hand on them. Um, but if you're willing to, I'm going to ask you to do that. Um, here's the first one. Um, just physically, you're just facing something that's really frightening, scary. Your body is not doing what it's supposed to do or somebody that you really care about. Their body is falling apart. Um, you're really nervous about some stuff down the road. Your uh, physical health for, for yourself or, or somebody else. And let me just kind of add on to that. Emotional. Is there anybody in here t- t- today who's just have kind of given up hope? You're just so depressed. It's a miracle that you even came tonight. I understand. More than you know. But God understands much better than I could. Your heart's been broken, whatever that is. If you're going through something physical or emotional right now, and you just need somebody to go before God for you, um, as Jenny sings this song, would you just stand up and let us pray for you? Here we go. This is what Jesus told the church to do, is pray for one another. Um, let me go on. You can keep on praying if you want. Stay, remain standing if you want. Let me add to this another group of people. Um, you're facing some decisions that are really, really hard. They may be decisions at work. They may be decisions in your f- family. They may be decisions uh, at school about changing jobs, about changing majors. Maybe, you know, you've been kind of given this choice. You can have the job, but you have to move your family to the other side of the country, whatever, whatever this. You're facing a choice. You don't know what to do. And if God would tell you, it would really help. Um, and let, let me kind of tag on to that. Um, we're in the middle of this financial series. Is there, is there anybody here that just needs God to intervene in their financial world? <laughs> everybody, yeah. If so, everybody needs to stand up, you know. And you just need God to touch that. Give you wisdom 
not to beat you up. You know you did it wrong. Somebody else did it wrong for you, but whatever that is. Now you're sitting there and you're feeling embarrassed or you just need help. You just need God to show you what to do. If, if that's you, you have a decision, either in your personal life, your financial life, whatever that is. Um, would you stand up and uh, let the church kind of come around you and, and pray for you? Let, let's, let's stand up and let's pray. Here we go. give you one more here. Um, uh, this might be the toughest one. Because you know what? You can blow up our finances and you know what? My health can blow up. But there's some people in my life that it's falling apart. Right? Maybe the person you're married to. Just, you're just barely holding on. Maybe your parents, you just hate them. It may be loneliness in your life. It may be you thought everything was going great. And just in the last few days, somebody that you thought loved you looked at you and said, uh, it's really not you, it's somebody else and I'm out of here. And you're just sitting there just reeling right now. And you're looking at God going, hey. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your parents. You're worried about your marriage. You're worried about your future relationships. Whatever that is, if there's a relationship, if it's your own heart that you just need God to come in and, and mend. If it's guilt for something in the past that's impacted your relationship and, you know, everybody else has forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. You just need God to just confirm to you again that you are forgiven. So if it's relational with people, if it's relational with God and you just need some confirmation and you need some strength to make it one more day, this is the big one, ready? We're going to stand up and we're going to pray uh, for you. If it's your heart, uh, let's stand up. Let's pray together.